0: Hello and welcome to The Moving Curve. I am Rukmini, a data journalist based in Chennai. Every night on this mini-cast, I consider one question around the novel coronavirus epidemic in India. Tonight I am asking this one. How do we balance the fair movement of people with public health? It's day 93 of the novel coronavirus epidemic in India and we are reporting 37,776 cases with 1,223 deaths. There's a video that's been doing the rounds of social media today that you might have seen. Cops in Indore have stopped a cement mixer on the road and one by one, men are emerging from within it. How many more are inside? The person shooting the video asks. Don't you feel suffocated inside? One cop asks in surprise. Stand on one side, one man shouts. Count them and maintain some distance. One by one, 18 men emerged from inside that cement mixer. They were trying to get from Maharashtra to their homes in Uttar Pradesh and this is the only way they could find to get home. As the lockdown set in and work dried up for workers across the country, lakhs set off for home, perhaps the largest one-time wave of migration India has seen since partition. The exact number who set off on foot or in these treacherous modes of transport is not known. In fact, the government has claimed in the Supreme Court that there are no migrants on the road anymore but they could easily be in the lakhs. At least 15 lakh migrants are in relief camps, meaning that they had to leave home in the city they worked in and then either walked some way and were sent to a relief camp or moved into one in the same city. At least 40 have died in accidents on the way home, according to data compiled by a group of researchers and I have linked to their database. In some ways it seems as if the government chose to pretend that what we already know about migration does not exist. Here's Chinmay Tumbe, professor at IIM Ahmedabad and an expert on migration, speaking a few weeks ago to the journalist Sabha Nakvi.
1: A lot of people said they were surprised at the scale. Uh, It's not a surprise because for those of us again who've been working on this, the numbers are there. More than 100 million circular migrant workers in India forming literally a quarter of the workforce. Uh, these are numbers now from the government of India's economic survey, 2016-17, so it's not even an excuse that the government does not know about this. Uh, but what's really interesting is just you know how many people came on the streets uh, to go home.
0: A hundred million circular migrants, Professor Tumbe said, making up nearly a quarter of the workforce. The 2011 census shows that nearly 40% of India's migrants are illiterate and the jobs they get are low-paying, while most safety nets come with the need for documentary proof that migrants rarely have for these people living on the margins setting off for home even if on foot was actually the most rational thing to do here's professor Thumbe again
1: why are people trying to get back home that's a lot of, you know a lot of people are trying to understand this from the point of view that if there was a lockdown announced and if all of us are staying home then why are these people going back why can't they stay home uh, and the first thing to understand is that most people actually don't see the place that they are staying as home. Home for them is the native place. So when, when you see actually stay home, that's exactly what they did. They started walking and saying, yes, we're going to go home because that's what you're telling us. Yeah. to do. We just not had, you know, decent housing options. We're saying, you know, uh, more than se- about 70% of urban jobs in India in the informal sector. So the whole precarious nature of work, which means that if there's a lockdown announced, it's obvious that, you know, people are going to lose jobs, they're going to lose money. Given that there were no assurances in the lockdown speech, the assurances came about four days late. It was not just panic, but it was the most rational thing to do. That is, the government is saying, stay home. And so I'm going to walk home. And the government is not really giving me an assurance on my wage for tomorrow. Uh, in which case it makes sense for me to go
0: On April 29th, Over one month after the lockdown was first imposed, India's Ministry of Home Affairs finally allowed migrants to return home under some conditions. The central government first said that only buses would be allowed, but now it appears that there will be some trains too. The two state governments must agree on a list of passengers and local authorities must be notified. It all adds up to a lot of work, stress, money and danger for migrants. Prajwal Bhatt, a reporter for the News Minute, was at one such bus stand in Bangalore today and he reported on the chaos there. In this clip, a migrant from Yadgir tells him that when there is no money for food or water, how can she pay the double fare that is being charged? So how do we make sure that the public health imperatives that were ostensibly the reason to disallow these migrants from returning home in the first place do still matter? The government has said that they will screen the migrants for symptoms and then insist on quarantine once they return. The scenes from bus stands today do not inspire much confidence about social distancing measures in the migrants' latest journey. Remember, this is a group that has already been enfeebled by the last 30-40 to days has lacked access to health and has been packed together in close quarters. As Dr. Madhupai, the TB expert, said in an earlier episode, there is a grave threat of infectious diseases like TB to them from this ordeal, not just COVID. So what can be done now? A group of labour organisations have asked the government to waive off the ticket charges for all stranded migrant labourers, run buses to the point of departure and from the point of arrival to villages, and give rupees 3000 as an ex-gratia to interstate labourers. From a health perspective, you would also hope that they would have good access to care on their return, not be stigmatised and then ideally be tested soon. The lessons that we learn from this wave of movement are going to be important because when intercity travel resumes for everyone, we should have a model in place. In China, every new entrant to a city must be in quarantine for 14 days we've got to figure out how we're going to be able to move towards people flows in a way that offers both dignity and health and safety. Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Anand Krishnamurthy. Tomorrow, a new question.